For Cybercrime Radio, I'm Paul John Spaulding, GM of production at Cybercrime Magazine. Joining me is Heather Engel, Managing Partner at Strategic Cyber Partners. Heather, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Paul. According to the record, the FCC adopted new rules for wireless carriers to help protect against SIM swapping scams. Heather, break down these new rules for our audience. So let's start with a very quick explanation of what SIM swapping is. So essentially, a threat actor hijacks a mobile phone number and then uses that phone number to take control of a victim's online identity. And we're all familiar with this. Hopefully, we've all set up multi-factor authentication when we're logging into sensitive accounts like bank accounts. Log in online and you put in your password and then it'll send you a text message that will allow you to access your account by putting in a one-time unique password. So in the case of SIM swapping, a criminal tricks a cellular service provider into switching the victim's phone number to a different SIM card that's controlled by the criminal. So then what that does is it allows them much easier access into some of your sensitive accounts. Because now if you're trying to reset the password and it sends a code to that mobile number, well, now the criminal has access to that mobile number. So these rules were put in place by wireless carriers to help protect consumers against SIM swapping. And so the two things that have been made public are that wireless carriers need to immediately notify consumers when a port out request is made and they have to create and take additional steps to protect consumers. And the FCC had said that this is designed to have a lot of flexibility for the carriers. So we haven't really seen a lot about what those additional steps might be. I recently had to do this for a couple different numbers. I had to create an online PIN and then I was required to give that PIN when I was making the change to the SIM card. But I will say, you know, it's fairly easy to port out a number. And I've done it with a couple different carriers in the last few months. And it was a no problem sort of scenario. Well, one of the takeaways I got from the record article was there will be some kind of special authentication, as you brought up. And you brought up, again, that there are already some measures in place, like making a pin. But do you think that this means there'll be any additional protections on top of that, something even more specific or some kind of backup phone number, email? I have no idea what this would be. Well, we hope so. Traditionally, carriers have used static data that's pretty easy to find online or fish off of a consumer. And very often it's already been exposed. For example, a social security number, a date of birth, your current address, your past address, mother's maiden name, all of those things for most of us are pretty freely available on the web if you know where to look. One of the things that was discussed is pre-established passwords. And that was something that I mentioned, you know, in my experience was a pre-established password might include a text message sent to the phone number or the backup method that's on file with your account at your particular wireless carrier. It might include a one-time passcode sent to the email address that's associated with the account or a password sent over voice to the phone number or the backup method. Do you have any concerns about any of these methods? Because for me, I just think, man, all that can be hacked or you can, as you say, fish a customer for certain information like a password to something else. There are so many ways attackers can get around this. I don't know if you have any thoughts about how effective this actually will be when these new rules are actually implemented. I definitely have concerns with an email address associated with the account as a backup method because that's something that's very easy to hack. And it's something that very often an attacker can be in there and you might not know it, especially if it's because you've used the same password across multiple accounts and maybe that password has been compromised. So I could be an attacker and I could be in your email seeing and receiving those messages and you might not have any idea that I'm in there. So I definitely have some concerns 
with the email as a potential pre-established password requirement. If we're sending a pre-established password to the phone number or the backup method already on file, well, you know, if I still control that phone number, that probably would be one that I would have less concerns over. But with the backup method, that could potentially pose some problems as well. So the FCC is forcing these changes, but as you say, it's still a bit vague on specifically what those changes might be to protect against these SIM swapping scams. But as of what we know right now, as of the time of recording, will the carriers have to do anything? Because I'm thinking, man, now they have to notify all these customers that they have about this rule change, or what do you think is going to happen there? Well, the FCC requires carriers to immediately notify consumers when a port out request is made. The issue there is that the definition of immediate doesn't seem to be very clear. So one of the things that I would ask is, is this notifying me within minutes? Do I get immediately a text message or some sort of email that says someone has requested to port your number? Is this you? Is immediate within hours? Is it within days? So that's something that we haven't seen the definition yet. Not to say that it hasn't been defined, but I wasn't able to find it when I was doing research for this story. And again, we talked about the carriers having to create and take a additional steps to protect consumers. The issue that I have there is that these rules from the FCC's own press release, it says the rules were designed to give carriers flexibility in implementing them. So we may see some carriers take a looser interpretation than others because they're balancing security with their customer service. And so there are definitely a few things that it will be interesting to see how the carriers actually implement these things. At the end of the day, this change has to be somewhat manageable and doable for everyone from the ultra tech savvy, maybe like our audience, down to the consumer who doesn't even know anything about this news. You're absolutely right. This is something that when I was again doing research for this story, the FCC has a page for consumers on protecting themselves from SIM swaps. But again, this puts a lot of onus on the consumer to not only understand the problem, but to take steps that many people just don't want to do or aren't capable of doing because the level of technology savvy just isn't there. Anyone who's been the victim of fraud or had their identity stolen knows that untangling that mess can be a full-time job. So as always, we recommend consumers do as much as they can to protect themselves. But again, some specifics from the FCC around the processes and what constitutes immediate notification would be helpful. And I'm also thinking back to the past, I'm sure in the early days of email, maybe before Google or Microsoft became the prominent players, there were all these different kinds of email providers out there. And my fear would be, okay, this new rule comes into effect and the backup method of contact is some obscure email. For me, for my age group, it would be that I made back in elementary school or something. Right. I don't pay attention to that. I'm sure the password is not super secure on there. I don't have anything on there, but maybe I just put that on my phone plan just because back in the day, that's what I had. So it's almost as if the backup methods to contact someone that something even happened can also be extremely messy if that method in of itself is old and outdated. And again, it's like updating your contact info, you know? You have to remember when you talk about a backup method, if you haven't gone on to your carrier's website and taken control of your account and set up an online presence for yourself, it would be very easy for an attacker to do that. So I can go into a store, I can get a mobile phone, I can get on a plan without ever going online and claiming that account. So that's something else that we recommend. And if you have done that with your carrier, definitely go in, look at your backup method, make sure that you still have access to that backup method and 
consider who else might have access to that backup method. You know, if you were, let's say maybe you're married and now you're not married anymore and your spouse has access to that, you want to make sure that you go in and do it maybe as an annual check, go through your accounts, make sure that your information is updated, your address, your phone number, your backup methods, things like that. And those are some of the things that can help protect you regardless of what your carrier is doing as far as authentication. This may be a silly question, but I do feel compelled to ask, are there any carriers out there that are immune to SIM swapping or maybe less susceptible to these types of attacks? I don't think so. This is a pretty common problem, and it's one that is very lucrative. If I have control of your phone number, I have the ability to really take control of your identity. Not only that, some of us have had the same phone number for a really long time now, and I don't think that this is something that any carrier is really immune to, and it's also a pretty significant problem. Heather, before we go, I just want to ask you if it's Heather's world and you could implement changes to or specific guidelines about this, would you implement anything in particular? And also, again, before we go, if you have any final thoughts to share about this, because it is a very complicated topic. A few things that would be helpful would be the carriers providing some education on their specific processes to consumers. I think the FCC may be having a few more teeth with the rules, you know, in terms of less flexibility and more about specific things that have to be done. When you're talking about something like this and you're adding some of these different authentication methods, you definitely have to train your associates. So the people that are in the store, the people that work for the carrier that are answering the phone when you call for customer service, those are the people that really need to be trained on not only the specifics of the SIM swapping scam, but things to look out for that could indicate this might be a social engineering job. Heather, no doubt this story will evolve over the next couple of months and going into 2024. So when we see some updates, maybe we could come back on and talk a bit more about it. Yeah, I would love to actually see the specifics of what's in the FCC rule. When I started to look for it for this podcast, I had a difficult time finding the actual written rules of what it said. I just was able to find the FCC's press release. I think as we see the rules evolve and we get more details about what's actually in the published rules from the FCC, I think it would be great to come back on and update this for our audience. Heather, thank you again for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Paul. For Cybercrime Radio, I'm Paul John Spaulding, GMF Production at Cybercrime Magazine. To follow all of our media, go to cybercrimemagazine.com.